Hey everybody, you're listening to the Poema Church Podcast. Today we're sharing a message from our latest series. We believe the Word of God in Scripture is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website, poemachurch.ca. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. It's awesome. Uh, This is my first official Father's Day. Um, We were expecting last time, so she wasn't technically alive yet, so... Out of the Womb Father's Day, is that what we're calling it? That's the official title. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is uh, Josh. I'm not someone who just walked in off the street and grabbed the microphone. Uh, I am the associate pastor here, and uh, it's my honor to preach this morning. We're going to get into uh, a new series this week called The Wilderness. I think we have some artwork there. The Wilderness, super fun, uh, super exciting. So I'm going to kind of, um, basically, basically what this message is, is I'm going to set sort of like the, uh, the, the framework we're going to kind of use for this uh, next few weeks. What is the wilderness? What is it about? Um, how, how do we deal with that when those sort of things happen in our lives? And, uh, and what, what are the purposes of the wilderness? And so uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly how many weeks it is, so don't quote me, but, you know, next few weeks kind of thing. And uh, I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8. So if you have a physical Bible, uh, you can open that. Uh, If you have a digital Bible, um, you can grab your digital Bible or your phone. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV, if that matters to you. Uh, It doesn't really matter to me, but I mean, it does. It doesn't, it doesn't. So we're just going to, we're going to quickly read the whole chapter and um, before we do that, though, we're going to kind of set a little bit of the context uh, of uh, what's going on in Deuteronomy. So a um, couple of some, some facts, some, some, some quick stats. I'm, I'm a big stats guy, I like sports. So uh, sometimes when somebody does something miraculous, if you don't like sports, you're like, I don't get it. But when someone does something amazing, you're like, whoa, because you know the statistical likelihood of something happening is not that impressive. Like yesterday, a golfer uh, shot a ball from like 120 yards away and he got it in the hole. And for someone who doesn't watch golf, they're like, isn't that the point? For someone who plays golf, they're like, can that happen to me just one time of the thousands of times I've hit a golf ball? So um, context is important. So we're going to get into it. Deuteronomy, what's going on there? What is this book about? Well, let's just start with the name, Deuteronomy. So um, it just means second law. So the word uh, onomy there, we use it in economy. Um, so the, the economy is kind of the laws around like money and wealth and how that works. Deuteronomy is basically second law, right? So what's happening here is the, the children of Israel have just come through the wilderness season. That's my daughter in the front row making all that noise. Are you shouting me down, love? Love it. Um, so they've just come through a wilderness. And uh, basically what happens is, is they get this one law uh, when, they, when they leave uh, Egypt. Uh, this law is passed down to them. They go through this kind of like crazy wilderness season. And now there's a second law being given to them, to the next generation. And, and uh, Moses, the writer of Deuteronomy, he's basically taking through them quickly, just reminding them the history of kind of where they come from and, and the new setting to which he wants them to live. So Deuteronomy 8 
This is, this is Moses' words. This is God speaking through Moses. We're going to read the whole thing. You guys with me? Awesome. Okay, here we go. I think there's 20 verses. We can do it. Okay, I almost was going to just get the, you know, the automated voice on the Bible app. I was just going to get that to read it, the, the really dry British guy. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today. Okay, but we're not going to do that. So here we go. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors. Okay, little fun tip here. Uh, when you see Lord, L-O-R-D, in capital letters, that means Yahweh. So that's, that's a specific name, actually. That's not a title, but that's a name of God in the Bible. The writers are kind of giving you a little clue there that they mean Yahweh specifically. Okay, so remember how the Lord your God led you all uh, the way in the wilderness for these 40 years, okay? To humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you could keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that a man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of Yahweh. The clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Father your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of your Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley and vines and figs and pomegranates and olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills." Verse 10, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you on this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase and all, all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery." He led you through the vast, dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions and lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. He brought, you out of, he brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that you, in the end it might go well with you. Okay. I don't know if you noticed, but he already said that. So he's trying to make a point. Anyways, verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me, but God remembered, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to you, to your ancestors as it is today. This is where it gets hairy and he kind of leaves this on like a pretty intense note. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I will testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations the Lord destroyed before you. So you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. Okay, what are we talking about here? The wilderness. Let's pick up on some clues that I think Moses is trying to drop down for us. And then if you notice, we'll go through it together, but if you notice, Jesus later echoes a lot of these things. So Jesus actually quotes from Deuteronomy 8 quite a few times, and we're going to go through it. Okay, one thing I want... To, to communicate here about the book of Deut Deuteronomy that 
kind of gets a little bit lost when you get into the laws and sort of those last lines where God's like, hey, if you stop following me, I'm going to destroy you. These types of things, the, the, the main thing that God and Moses is trying to communicate here is that actually God is a God of love. And he's trying to get you to understand that his, his love is the thing that actually sustains us. The other thing that's happening here is that God's will for your life is knowable. It's knowable through God's words. And so what we're going to kind of understand about the wilderness specifically is what that means. So the wilderness is a season. So that means it's not forever. Right now, it's trying to be summer. <laughs> okay, it's like, if, if you don't know, it's like 12 degrees here, which is really cold for June. Um, but it's trying to be summer. But how do we, how, we all know, right? I'm not trying to insult anyone's intelligence here. We all know that eventually it's going to be super hot every day from like sun up to sundown. And then we do know that it's going to be super cold at some point from sun up to sundown, right? Where we live has seasons, sections of time where things are very different from other sections of time. So the wilderness is a season. And what I want everyone to do in this room, and myself included in this series, is recognize what season am I actually in. Am I in a wilderness season? Am I not in a wilderness season? Am I, am I feeling right now that I'm in a wilderness? Like, God, where are you? What's going on? I feel like I'm kind of wandering. Or do you feel like quite close to God? And you're like, yeah, things are going good. I have a good relationship with God. You know, everything seems to be flowing smoothly. We're probably in one of those two camps. But there's two things we can do. If you're in a wilderness season, this is a great time to lean into community, get involved, get involved with connecting with people, get people's phone numbers, watch online if you can't make it, come to church, try to participate as much as you can and worship. Get your hands up, lean in if you're in a wilderness season because God is gonna move and he's there for you even though it doesn't feel like it. Okay, so, so just one little fun fact about the, the Israelites' journey. There was a pillar of fire that kept them warm at night and there was a cloud of smoke that kept them uh, cool during the day. Even during the wilderness, there was a tangible presence of God. The thing is, is the Israelites were constantly being like, they were kind of like complaining. Are you, are you not in a wilderness season? Then take this series and this message as a prophetic message for you to be like, okay, I'm going to lean in and take notes and start to look for the signs when it starts to feel like a wilderness season. And, and what are the antidotes? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm giving you the Advil early before you get the headache. Okay. Let's start at Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. Ready? Remember how the Lord God led you all the way into the wilderness for 40 years. God leads us to the wilderness season. The wilderness season isn't necessary. You can't just be like, oh, it's just happening to me. No, God's probably actually leading you there. Why? Good, great question. I'm going to answer that. Um, so he leads them to 40 years to humble and test. He's trying to break you down. <laughs> I had a moment yesterday uh, at my brother's house with my nephew he got up from his seat and I stole it from him because I'm his uncle and I'm allowed to do that. But he started getting really annoyed with me. And uh, 
eventually me and my brother, uh, we teamed up on him and we threw him in the pool. <laughs> I was trying to make a point that when I steal your seat, it's mine now, pal. <laughs> God's not trying to necessarily do that, but he is trying to humble you. He's trying to make you realize, hey, I'm actually not in charge here. God's in charge. In order to test you, in order to know what was in your heart, what is in your heart about your life, your journey, your world that you're in? What's in your heart about those things? Are you pursuing careers only for the money, only for the dollar bills? Maybe God wants to test you in that, and he wants to humble you in that. Whether you, and then it says whether or not you would keep his commands. Keep his commands. So I, I don't know if you have a highlighter. I don't know if you, if you want to just kind of like, in my notes, they're a different color than the rest of the things. So leads you to humble and test you to know what's in your heart to keep his commands. That is, the, that is one of the major points of the wilderness season. Those, those four things right there, they're just kind of like sitting out. He leads you there on purpose. So if you're not in a, in a wilderness season and things are going good right now, um, when things stop going good, just know that you were led. Oh, okay, God, actually, you led me here. Okay, okay, what do I need to do? If you're in a wilderness season, be encouraged. It's not some random thing you did that's some sort of karmic force that's coming back at you. You were led there by the Holy Spirit. Jesus echoes in John 14, 15, I don't think we have this scripture, but he says, if you love me, keep my commands. That's an echo of Deuteronomy 8, 2. Our perspective in the wilderness of God is he's a bully. His perspective is actually I'm faithful and I'm sovereign. We think he's beating us up, just like I was kind of beating up my nephew and throwing him in the pool. That's, that's our perspective. The thing is, is, we don't get to choose when we go into the wilderness season. God chooses it. And we also don't get to choose when the wilderness season ends. However, what you can do is you can prolong the wilderness season. So you can make it longer than it needs to be by not being humble, failing the tests, refusing to reveal what's in your heart, and not keeping God's commands. You can keep it going. And sometimes God's will for our life which is knowable by his words, is a wilderness season. Okay, next point, here we go. 8.3, this is Deuteronomy 8.3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which no one had ever heard of before. That's what that line means. No, your ancestors had not known, okay? No one knows what it is. Uh, it, it's something that was basically just it was created. It was, it was um, made by God to sustain Israel for that specific season. <laughs> yeah, where did it come from? What is it? This emoji. I don't, I don't know. Why? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Remember God's words? His will is knowable by his words. Yeah. Okay. Jesus echoes that exact line when he's tempted in the desert. So if you want, you can jump over to Luke 4. 
And I'm just going to read this really quickly. This is after Jesus is water baptized. He comes out of the Jordan River, and he's, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. So again, the wilderness isn't an absence of God, because Jesus is God, and he was full of the Holy Spirit being led. So he, he left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted or tested by the devil. Fun fact, those 40 days is an echo of the 40 years that the Israelites spent in the Old Testament, right? So what takes us 40 years to get takes Jesus 40 days, evidently. (laughs) Who would rather be in the wilderness for 40 days than 40 years, okay? I'm 32. That's almost my entire lifetime. I still wouldn't even be in the clear yet. What is the point here? Moses is trying to communicate, and I believe this is obviously God speaking through Moses, that there's a temptation, and God is teaching man to not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There's a temptation to sustain ourselves through the things that are created rather than the creator. Jesus is very aware of this. The devil's trying to tempt him to go outside of that operation, The devil's not trying to tempt him to eat a sandwich. He's trying to tempt Jesus to go out of the order that Jesus knows to be true. And that order is God first, physical things second. And and Jesus is, is just trying to communicate this thing through this and echoing. Literally in the Bible, it shows you that it's a quote from this portion of Scripture. This very idea that God sustains us not stuff. God sustains us, not stuff. So when you're in the wilderness season and you start getting hangry spiritually, okay, you start getting frustrated. You start getting, why are the material things that I have planted not coming to fruition? Why, why is this not working out for me? Why can't I find a job? Why can't I, you know, find a spouse? Whatever it is, certain things that you're feeling, hey, God, where are you in this area? God, God is recognizing, and he's probably trying to humble you to say, hey, look, I actually need to flip my priority and not rely on the physical thing first. I need to rely on God first, physical thing second. Obviously, this is, um, if you've ever participated in the Christian tradition of, of fasting, right? This, is, this becomes all the more evident that we so rely on um, food to comfort us and give us the energy that we need when actually God's trying to communicate that he gives us the energy that we need. God's word is the thing that's going to sustain us. Not Chick-fil-A. I just thought I'd make a cultural reference because I'm in Kitchener. So, preacher hack, cultural references. Okay, verse six. You guys still with me? I'm having fun. Who else is having fun? Okay, awesome. Verse six. Here we go. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. Okay, the things that I have underlined here, the commands of the Lord your God, what are they? Walking in obedience and and reverence, revering. 
The wilderness can seem scary and dark. Have you seen that show, Naked and Afraid, okay? The wilderness can feel naked and afraid. <laughs> That's fine. Here's the thing that a lot of Christians do. They either go back where they came from, or they just sit down and stay still. And they're just like, okay, we're just making base camp here forever. And they stop growing, and they stop moving. Moses is trying to imply here, I'm sure the Israelites are tired of walking. But he's making a, a, a reference, we're walking in obedience now and revering God. When you're in the, in the wilderness, keep going. There's a famous saying, I think it might be Winston Churchill, when you're going through hell, keep going, right? It's this idea that when you stand still, that's when you die. When you stop going to church, when you slowly allow kind of the world's first priorities to, to take precedence and you start putting, uh, you know, material things over the God things, you start to slowly um, stop moving. Um, there's this idea that, have you ever heard backsliding? Oh, backsliding Christians, they're the worst. Oh, backs oh he's backslidden. Where that term actually comes from is, is the body of Christ is a moving thing. It's alive and it's moving forward. People who are backsliding aren't actually going backwards necessarily, but they've stopped moving. And now they're starting to slowly fade to the back of the race because the rest of us are, are pursuing the things that are ahead. Right? And so... Keep, keep walking, keep moving, keep moving in obedience, even when you don't want to, <laughs> especially when you don't want to. Um, it's going to sound kind of, a, it's kind of a, a, a basic analogy here, but have you ever, has your dad ever told you to just like walk it off? <laughs> okay. Uh, I saw a meme that was like a, a field of people and it was like, um, uh, new, new hospital initiative by dad's area cleared to just walk it off, okay? And it's just like, people, <laughs> I'm getting claps in the back. God will sustain you through the wilderness. Cool, walk it off. Yeah, that's the one. But uh, no, it's this idea is keep, keep moving because as adults, we see the injury as like, okay, there's levels of injury. To children, it's just, ah, right? And we know, ah, uh, it's fine. <laughs> we know ultimately, like, yeah, okay, your ankle's going to hurt for maybe a few minutes. I wish I was still able to do that, but like maybe a few minutes, maybe an hour, but you know eventually they'll be fine. There's levels of injury with children that as adults, we can see the forest from the trees. They can't. God can see the forest from the trees, especially with our spiritual injuries. There's going to be moments where we got to stop. Maybe we do got to put on a cast, but eventually, if you do put on a cast, that muscle starts to atrophy. It starts to get weak. You've got to start walking again. Right? Walking in obedience, it takes action and movement. Okay? It's not just on the sidelines. You know what I mean? We're a part of a family, a part of a team. Someone needs to do the dishes. It's your turn. Okay. Point number four. I'm going to jump over here to Hebrews. And, um, I'm gonna, and I'm going to read Hebrews 5, 7 through 8 in the ESV. And um, how do I quickly set this up? Basically, um, the writer of Hebrews is, is kind of uh, using a lot of 
Old Testament imagery and analogy to kind of set up these new Christians that are wanting to leave the church, but they're from, they used to be, you know, kind of like uh, religiously Jewish. And so the, they're basically kind of, the, the writer of Hebrews is moving these people forward. He's pushing them in that race. He's telling them to kind of walk it off in a sense. Uh, and so this is, uh, he's, he's making this analogy through Christ uh, and what Christ went through while he was on earth. So verse seven, it says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. So those supplications are going up to God. And he was heard because of his reverence. Interesting. Remember that from Deuteronomy? Same idea. Although he was the son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Remember that from Deuteronomy? Remember? Keeping commands, obedience. Now, let's have some theological fun. You guys ready? People go, oh, okay, so Jesus started out sort of this way and he slowly became God. No, that's not what's happening here. So we don't believe in progressivism in that sense, in the sense that Jesus started out as a man and became good as he did the will of the Father. No, he's God at the beginning, the virgin birth, he was God, and he fulfilled God's plan. However, his flesh... In the days of his flesh, he needed to teach obedience. He needed to teach patterns. He needed to teach recognition of, hey, actually, my flesh wants to eat this thing, which is out of order. I actually need to not eat this thing right now, and I need to sustain what God's calling me to do. Jesus wasn't learning to be perfect, but he was learning to deny his flesh, just like we are called to do he had to learn these patterns. He had to recognize, mm, not good. He had to learn obedience. Now, we think Jesus was this perfect little baby angel. He definitely pooped his pants, definitely needed to get his diaper changed. He was a baby. He needed to learn. He needed to be taught. And in this way, he learns obedience, and he is the, uh, the exemplar of the, the, the big brother, the older brother that we follow obedience through. Amen? Okay, why? Great question. Discipline. Discipline is a measure of God, and it is a measure of a great dad. Right? Dads don't just let us do whatever we want. Now, everyone in here has a contentious relationship with their father on some level. It's just what it is. I don't know why. We all love our moms, our dads. Well, it could have been better, <laughs> right? That's just like a fact of life. Uh, there's a stand-up comedian, and uh, he was kind of making, uh, he was making a joke about like uh, men's retreats. And it was like, yeah, we're going to do arm wrestling. We're going to throw axes and blah, blah, blah. He was like, maybe we could just forgive our dads. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like everything's so manly. Why, why don't we just you know, talk about what happened to us and get over it, kind of. But here's the thing with God. He's perfect in his discipline. It's us that stops receiving it, right? Not him that stops giving it, but us that stops receiving it. Um, Hebrews 12, 10, it says, uh, for, they, for they disciplined us for a short time, and it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness, Okay, so dads, we discipline for a short time, but the Lord uh, disciplines us for our good and that we share in his holiness. 
Deuteronomy 8, verse 5, know then in your heart that a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you, right? Follow me. Another echo from Deuteronomy as a key to the wilderness season, right? It's all kind of fitting together like a weird puzzle piece, puzzle, kind of, okay, we set up the corners. This is what I'm doing, okay? If this series is a puzzle, I'm setting up, I'm setting up the outside, right? That's, you do a puzzle quickly by setting up the outside, then you start filling in all the things in the center, and that's what the rest of the messages are going to be. As Christians, we want to be holy. This is something that we desire as Christians. We want to be disciplined by God in order that we may share in his holiness. Don't let this modern idea that you can just behave however you want sink you, because God does not think that. He does not think you can just do what you want when you want it and ask forgiveness later. Okay, this isn't an, uh, uh, what is that, ask for permission or ask for forgiveness, whatever, that, that saying. Right? It's this idea that we've allowed in, in our modern church because what we're doing is we're prioritizing uh, a different uh, uh, psychological and philosophical idea of like truth is, as a, is, a, is a this emoji, right? What is truth? Well, God actually seems that there is a pattern for truth and there is a pattern for what he wants for us and that we are ought to share in his holiness. Holiness means two things, pure and set apart. Okay, God is holy because he's different than every other God. Other gods share a lot in common. Other idols and other ideas of God, they share a lot in common. God actually doesn't really share a lot in common. Very, there's large parts of him that are quite unique including Deuteronomy being a law of love. It's a law of love. A lot of other world religions is just laws. We don't care what your heart says, just do it. God actually wants your heart so that you do it. It's very different. Okay, fathers, we discipline our kids because again, as adults, we can see the forest from the trees. Okay, if my kid is constantly punching their brother, we need to stop that somehow. We need to find a way for them to curb their enthusiasm. I saw that. <laughs> for violence, right? Okay, young boys, they need to wrestle, but there's a line. Who knows the line? Not the kids, the adults. Right? So, you know, there's a, the dad comes in and is just like, hey, that's enough. And he started it. Well, and both of you, right? That whole thing. Yeah, you started it. I'm going to end it. Both of you. You know, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. That sort of idea. <laughs> Discipline is a fatherly trait of God that we want to actually lean into. So when we're in the wilderness season, although it is very difficult, um, we have to lean into that. So I'm going to take you through a little bit of my wilderness season that I experienced a couple years ago, and I'm almost done. A couple years ago... Um, so it was March 2020, kind of as the pandemic was happening, but it really had nothing to do with the pandemic. Um, but I think that the, the last few years, there has been a, um, there's been like a collective wilderness. And God has kind of been like, okay, what's in your heart? You need to be humbled and you need to be taught. And if you haven't, see, if you haven't seen that pattern, particularly in the church, um, 
it's there. I don't, it's there, trust me. So as the pandemic was kind of starting, uh, I had a panic attack, like a legit, straight up, crazy panic, panic attack. It was the, the most wildest sensation I had ever felt. And, uh, you know, I actually believe that part of it was legitimately demonic. Like these, not suicidal, but really dark thoughts about me and my nature and who I am as a person started to creep in it. And it was like a loop that I couldn't stop. And I was like, so tense. Like I took took a couple days of work off after because literally my muscles were so tense. I was like, gripping myself, like gripping like this, and I, and I, this looping of thoughts, like, you're stupid, you're worthless, like all this sort of stuff was looping through my brain. And for a couple of months there, that was like a wilderness where I felt like no one liked me, no one cared about me, I didn't, I didn't really want to go to church. I had uh, a few times where I was kind of on doing like announcements and stuff like that, and I was like, I, I can't right now, I just, I just need that break. And for me, it was a temptation to lean into what the world was saying. It was a temptation to walk away from this or at least stop moving. And I'm not special, but what I did was I just kept walking. I walked it off. (laughs) And I walked it off not by my own power, but through worship, through being at church, through community, through meals, through... um, you know, things happening on Zoom that I didn't want to go to, I went to it anyways, right? It's like Zoom, most annoying platform ever. I wish I invested in them in like 2019. Would have been amazing. But point being is, is no one, let's be honest, no one likes a Zoom meeting, okay? But at the end of the day, it has to happen. You, when church went on Zoom, you're just like, or, you know, went on thing, you're like, okay, I, I got to just lean into this. This is super weird, But for me, in that season, I can recognize that was a wilderness. That was a temptation to start going like, I I need a better job. The the economy is going to collapse. But all this sort of stuff, to start relying on the physical things over the God things. And so, lastly, I just want to leave this with you, you, and and I hope this um, encourages you. Um, In verse... Uh, 17 and 18, it says, you may say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, um, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth in the first place. And so confirms his covenant and that he swore to your ancestors as it is to you today. Listen, your wilderness season is not just for you. It's for your kids. It's for the next generation. It's for your spiritual kids. There's something that you can sit back and say, yeah, look at the hard work I've done, but remember that it's actually God that sustained you. God sustained me through my wilderness season. It wasn't being awesome. It wasn't having cool people around me. It was God that sustained me. And so for me, and, and, and what Moses is communicating here, hey, look, don't forget when you come out the other side of the wilderness season, who actually did this for you and for your children and for your children's children. See, that's the thing about dads is they think generationally. You know, I'm thinking about Sloan right now because she's seven months old, eight months old. 
But there's a small, really tiny part of me that will grow and grow and grow that's not actually thinking about her anymore as much as I'm thinking about the next generation. How can I set the next generation up? How can I get them into God's word? How can I get them worshiping? How can I get them to recognize their wilderness seasons and go through it? There's nothing sweeter than an older man or woman in your life, but particularly a father who's, you know, seen some things. And they sit down with you when you're troubled and young, and you go, what am I supposed to do? And they usually give you a super frustrating answer like, nothing. (laughs) Just wait on God. And so this season, this series, this next few weeks that we're going to be teaching and talking about this, this is our framework. This is our framework for these messages, and this is our framework for understanding the wilderness seasons that we go through. I'm going to end with prayer. Is that cool? Awesome. I went a little over my time. Don't be mad. It's my first Father's Day. You can't be mad at me. Okay. Uh, God, we thank you so much for this body of believers and every single person that can uh, hear my voice right now. God, we ask that you would keep them. We ask that you would bless them. We ask that you would show them what season they're in. God, may they ask you good questions about where they're at. And and Father, I know you will give them the answers that they need. Maybe not the answers they want, but God, you have the answers that they need. And God, I just pray a, a special blessing over the dads that in this season, the wilderness of possibly fatherhood, fathering young children, uh, you know, older children, babies, infants, wherever you're at as a dad, may you recognize the season and may God bless you and keep you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website, poemachurch.ca.